Hello and welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour. So um, today we're going to uh, do a slightly different format. So it's going to be a Q&A session for the eternal struggle of job hunting, um, which is the topic that's very close to my heart, as is I'm sure everyone else who's trying to survive can relate. Uh, and apart from our usual hosts, Wing and Jose, we also have Carmen, today's special guest. So Carmen, do you want to sort of introduce yourself? Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Carmen, and I've been uh, working with LinkedIn for the last few years, helping a lot of companies do recruitment um, and to tra really transition their recruitment strategy onto the digital world. So thank you for having me today. Yes, thank you for coming. Um, so yeah, let's start with the first question. Um, how can I network during COVID-19? Right, so I, I, I got a lot of questions, I think, from my friends who are job hunting as well, especially during the pandemic, because um, companies are cutting costs, right? And uh, also, I think from the, maybe people who are trying to, like maybe startups who are trying to get like more freelancers to work for them, or even just uh, already well-established companies who are trying to get more sort of business. Um, so yeah, do you guys have any... Like, what were your experiences with networking during the pandemic so far? Um, there's a lot of companies out there that are doing webinars and they're starting to transition the way that they approach um, either candidates or otherwise their customers online. Um, and so as part of this transition, they're starting to really touch consumers on a scalable basis using webinar style. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I encourage people to do is really look for these opportunities to join but at the end of it, try to connect with the host, try to connect with the people who are organizing it. So just be on having a presence online or really participating, but be an active participant. Mm -hmm. um, and then use the opportunity to connect with people that are organizing these events. And so that will help you build out a little bit in terms of your network with relevant people, right? But the other thing is, and working for LinkedIn, and I truly believe in the platform and the power of of, of our network um, is to really leverage LinkedIn to help you. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you have a very comprehensive profile, make sure you you know use our function to network and actually connect with your peers, connect with people, um, organization leaders, um, and just say hi. Um, mm -hmm. There's no harm in, 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 in sending a, a quick message and saying hi, you know, this is, um, you know, I found you on LinkedIn, why am I looking to connect with you? Um, you know, would you have some time to maybe just share your expertise or share your, mm -hmm. your advice? Um, and oftentimes I see that working. So maybe that's one way to really transition um, your, your networking um, mm -hmm. onto yeah. a digital world. Yeah. And, I, and I echo that because, uh, you know, not only from a, well, from a job hunting perspective, for example, uh, if you sit in the seat of the employer, they actually have more time being digitally connected now because they can't obviously go out, look for talent or, or even look for business. So definitely, you know, like Harvard mentioned, if you send me, for example, a message on LinkedIn, I'm actually more likely to reply now, mm -hmm. even if it's a like kind of cold call style uh, uh, note, because I'm just so used to getting them now. Like more and more people are doing that compared to obviously before, just because everyone is forced into the same situation. So um, I think it's, yeah, don't, don't have fear, because I think even from an employer's perspective, you know, they're, they're trying to get 
their hands on how, how to connect digitally as well. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like a learning process for, for everyone. So definitely be more proactive there. And uh, I think that the chances are you probably get a, a, you know, a decent response if you, uh, again, present yourself the right way um, mm -hmm. to start with. Um, I think at the same time as job hunters, you might also want to this opportunity to consider upskilling yourself. Um, because I think, especially after this pandemic, um, uh, I think a lot of companies would change their strategies in terms of hiring and, and what's, what, what skills can you bring to the employer. Um, there are a lot of online courses available and a lot of times these online courses would actually um, provide opportunities for you to meet people, uh, say, through group projects. And that's another way to find like a support group to sort of share your, um, your, your, your strategies on how to look for uh, job opportunities online, etc., around the world. Mm -hmm. So that's a very good opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think connecting with people through events or online courses yes, is, very, yeah. is actually very important. Uh -huh. um, for example, from experience, I did a session where I was talking in front of the screen, like a Zoom conferencing mm -hmm. uh, a, a seminar. And when someone has to speak to a screen for one and a half hour, it's actually very, very tough. It's much harder than <laughs> just speaking the same time to mm. a live audience. Because mm. there's, you know... There's no feedback. There's hardly any <laughs> yeah. feedback. You can't, you can't sense the non-verbal feedback, so that means mm. the verbal feedback. Like yeah. I, I, I was actually quite grateful yes. that halfway yeah. between people would ask questions. It allows me to kind of, you know, have a glass of water. Mm. And, um, so so it, it's, it's kind of quite important if you empathize with the person actually, you know, giving the, yeah. the talk, they, they actually okay. would, I think, really appreciate mm. that question, so all the more reason to be more proactive during this way, because you just, there's no non-verbal cues, so you just have to rely a lot more on, on the verbal cues. Mm. Mm. I think mm. also, just, just to another point, it's, it actually gives you more opportunity to network with people that aren't in the same location as you, mm. again, yeah. because more people are open to talking, mm. you know, once you get used to it, you're like, oh, man, it's totally fine if I'm talking to someone, say, from London, which, you know, where I was yesterday, and um, it just felt so natural, like, mm. it's just like, oh, there's the link, you click in, you talk, and, mm. you know, I know it's always been there, the technology, yeah. but it's a habit, so, mm. um, yeah, feel free to reach out to people that's, you know, beyond your yeah. ge mm. geographic, so, yeah. Question two. Even at entry level, job listings always seem to require years of pre-existing job experience. Where do I start as a fresh graduate? So uh, I'll with my friend who asked me this. Well, one of my friends who asked me this question. Um, they sent me a, a meme, uh, but it basically says like there's this double standard where um, you know they say, oh, we're looking for uh, you know hungry young talent, but at the same time, we want like three years of experience. <laughs> we see that a lot of uh, um, a lot of the times, either like through LinkedIn or just any sort of like official-ish uh, right. job postings. Oh, I know which one you mean. The one that's like, you know, you want to get a job, and they say you need experience, but you're saying if I don't get a job, how can I get experience? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a chicken and an egg. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When we're when I work with a lot of organizations, what I've been seeing in the last few years is companies are starting to move away from, from this sort of, I need some pre-existing experience onto actually skill sets. And the reality is a lot of times the skills that we need for jobs of today will actually be obsolete by five years from now. 
And so being able to continuously learn new skills and to adapt to you know, various technologies that come along, it's very important. Mm -hmm. And I think as a, um, someone with entry level or limited experience, one of the things you help yourself stand out is by showcasing the type of skills that you have relative to the jobs that you want. Mm. And being able to demonstrate that and being able to demonstrate how you've acquired these skills and your proactiveness and willingness to learn will help you stand out. Um, and the other thing is, you know, oftentimes you see all these job descriptions saying, well, we need five years of experience or yeah. three yeah. years of experience. Yeah. Even if you don't have 100% of that, do not think you're not qualified for the job. I, I, I really genuinely believe, you know, obviously you may not have that experience, but if you reach out to that person and say, look, I see this job description, I am incredibly interested, I do have all of these skill sets, but not necessarily in the experience of a job, I would love to still have an opportunity to have that discussion. And oftentimes you'll see, oh, okay, yeah, sure, you know, why not? At least we can have a chat. Um, mm -hmm. So being proactive and really trying to demonstrate beyond job how you are able to have these skills that are important. Volunteering experience is another way to really showcase that um, because whilst you're not getting paid for the job that you're doing, you're still having these experience to hone in on certain skill sets that you may need. So mm -hmm. there's a few ways to demonstrate your skills and your capability. Um, you just have to be creative around mm -hmm. how you do it. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any kind of more uh, kind of examples of how you would see someone demonstrating that they're willing to continuously learn and try? Mm. Like, do, do you have any, have you come across any yes. specific examples that you thought that was a really nice way to do it? Um, I see people with like certification. So, mm. again, going back to LinkedIn because that's my bread and butter. Mm. <laughs> 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 it's, it's really showcasing you know in your in your profile you can definitely share the skills that you've acquired mm -hmm. um you can you know link it with for example linkedin learning or other platforms mm -hmm. and where you've completed a course and you want to have you have a certification you can put that in mm -hmm. and over the course of your career journey whether you're starting out or you're you know midway through you can still demonstrate that path of self-learning I think that self-directed learning is incredibly mm. important. Well, should we show that you have initiatives, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of times when they talk about like the job posting require you a certain number of like, years of experience, I think they just want to make sure that you know how you conduct yourself in an office setting. Mm. Um, like they don't want to hire somebody who's like a baby who needs to like <laughs> put your hands and do this and that, right? Yeah, just, yeah. You just, I think, yeah, you need to show that you know you can demonstrate. Okay. That you have some so like, more like the conduct and etiquette and yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. like how, how you deal with external and internal parties, mm. etc. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, These are so critical. Yeah, it's that emotional intelligence. Mm. It's almost yeah. that mm. soft skills mm. yeah. that will help you be more successful. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and sometimes that's why I think you touched on the soft skills and the EQ, but I think the connectivity. So the the whole interview is really about, you know, or even reading the resumes about you connecting with the candidate. So one of the reasons why these kind of like self-directed learning and things might another side of it is that I cannot connect with you because it's, it's a bit far-fetched. Like I've been, you know, I graduated you know, 15 years ago or whatever. So I'm, you know, looking at a graduate and I'm like, I really want to have a bond, but I'm like, okay, I don't know what 
I don't know what this course is, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I see something that you did a certification, say, on digital marketing, and I'm like, okay, I did that a few years ago. So, you know, then at least during the interview, if you get there, you have something, you know, a, a common ground. So it just yeah. increases your chance of having a common ground and, and connecting with a person. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll be more comfortable talking about something that you obviously been through yourself as well. So. Mm. So I guess also from like the candidate side, mm-hmm. there it, it is a, a two-way, it's not just like one-sided, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. this is job hunting process. So like if, I guess if the, it's also partly the employer's responsibility to see that potential mm-hmm. um, in the candidate rather mm-hmm. than just like blindly looking at you know, the quantitative experience that they've accumulated through their CV. Mm-hmm. Because I've also... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you cannot just use one template or one CV for all the jobs, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's about market positioning, mm-hmm. how you cater yourself towards, like, the potential job mm-hmm. opening. And it's, it's very easy to tell if you yeah. go through enough of them, like, yeah. your first line, like, especially the cover letter, but even, even the resume, mm-hmm. I know people put an effort because mm-hmm. I can see the keywords tailoring to my job description. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would more likely give them a chance even if they had less experience, just because yeah. they took the time to, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, just to, to tailor it mm-hmm. yeah, to, yeah. towards yeah. our conversation. So mm-hmm. I think that's, a, like, for example, if I was hiring someone who's going to help me deal with you know, partners or clients, like that would be the type of person I want that, you know, mm. tailors, customizes that conversation for them. So, you know, that's a good first line. Yeah. Yeah. And also just, I think just uh, relating to that point, um, I did get like a sort of a, another sub question that comes on under that. Mm. Um, like, so when larger companies hire in batches, cohorts, mm. like, you know, mm-hmm. they go through yeah. several rounds, how, how can I, well, I mean, my friend asked, like, how can I stand out as a fresh graduate during the process? I think a few things. I think one is do your research. Um, when you have an opportunity to be in front of the employer, make sure you've done your research to really articulate why. Why this company, why this job? And I think if you're really authentic about how that connects back to your passion or gets connects back to you know what's your mission your own mission and your own vision Mm. um for your career i think one there is a lot of authenticity to that um that also kind of lets the employers know that you have a lot of drive um and so that's one second thing around research is really trying to figure out if this is the company that you're interested to work for who else do you know that work for this company because the reality is um, human connection and referrals are still one of the most effective way to finding a job. Mm-hmm. So rather than be asking around and go, hey, you know, I would love to work for this company. Do, do I know anyone? Um, trying to figure out who you know and then perhaps asking for either a referral or if you're not comfortable to ask for a referral, ask advice from that person. Like how do, mm-hmm. you know, what does this company, what is this company looking for? Um, what is what are the characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. And then really try to think: Do I match with with this? Um, and so that's another way of doing it. I think just being very proactive mm-hmm. overall, yeah. it's it's going to get you much mm-hmm. further to get and get you noticed. Yeah, yeah. I think I definitely uh, resonate with, uh, especially being authentic and 
asking around for referrals because I think back in university, like that was also sort of the advice that I got from like my my mother and just like you know other more experienced people. And but I I think like I still hesitated quite a lot because I had this just concept at the back of my head that sort of networking was sort of like a manipulative process, and to me that just like it hit me a bit on my like guilty conscience. Mm. But I think like another friend's uh, sort of helped reframe that concept is that like actually you're also. But like, don't underestimate how many people out there are actually willing to help, you know? Mm, yeah. Because because from their side, if they already sort of know you a bit, then it actually makes you a more reliable candidate, right? So for them, it's also quite helpful to know and like don't need to do as much background check or there's less of a, a fear mm. element mm. in hiring mm. as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think to the question, I think, you know, come and cover the kind of like pre-interview stage, right? Or the you know, research and stuff. If you go into like, if you're talking about the cohort, like group assessments, they're usually quite, you know, they're conducted on the basis that they want to test how you, how you interact with each other. There's, mm-hmm. there's elements of that. So generally I would say before that, there should be gen- usually an interview before that, which where you maybe an HR person or maybe your line manager. From that, by, by the time you obviously get through that, you've, you've satisfied certain conditions. So I, what I would say is like, understand the culture of the company and, and you know how they conduct their business through the first round because you actually met an employee, mm-hmm. and then during the second round you can you know you, at least you understand what the what the standards are. So mm-hmm. I think this is kind of like a, there's a pre-interview and then during the interview you I think you try to mirror as much as possible, you know what what are the you know the codes of conduct. Um, are people like when you walked in did they give you a sense that they were very more like proactive or aggressive or was it more like listening passive and generally in those exercises don't be the one who doesn't say it don't say anything and don't be the one who dominates the conversation like Mm, if you're somewhere in between you you kind of (laughs) you play the safe card right Um, listen to people and try to build on other people's points Um, and uh, I think that's generally uh, the the way I would uh, approach that and then Finally, I think this final step is, uh, um, which I, I think increasingly now as an employer now is more and more important, is the follow up, kind of like the post interview or the post session, just a nice note to kind of bring out mm-hmm. anything that happened during the day or the conversation. Oh, I really enjoyed this part. Mm-hmm. And be genuine about it. I mean, you can tell if someone's just saying it for the sake of saying it, but um, you know, just yes. bring out, you know, especially if it's a one on one. Like, do, do say, oh, that was a really interesting part. You don't have to make it like, really long but it's just a nice it, it, it does make a I think it does make a difference mm-hmm. if I read something like that mm-hmm. you know pretty like maybe just during the evening after I, I saw that person it does reinforce an impression especially if there were like mm-hmm. a lot of people I met that day because like, mm-hmm. it kind of forces me to be like who, who is who did I meet yeah. Yeah, yeah. and highlight like one or two things that you think the interview were was like impressed by what you said, mm. just to like refresh his yeah. or her. Okay, bring out your yeah. own, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the follow-up. Mm. I mean, to your point, it's, it's empathy on both sides. It's like, mm. you know, the candidate, if they can, try and understand what it is to judge, mm. you know, different people. 
like like assess different people because it is a very different experience of being judged or being assessed. Mm. Um, and obviously for the for the interviewer, you're right. Sometimes it is on. I think it is on the employers to I mean, come and like have experience and this sort of stuff. But how do you identify talent and potential? Mm. Sometimes some people just aren't as. I mean, you can't identify talent just from that one hour. Mm. I, I think sometimes you have to look beyond that. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's. Okay, and then third question, um, quite specific to uh, Hong Kong. Uh, as a non-Chinese speaking immigrant, how can I break into the Hong Kong job market when most employers seem to prefer fluency in Chinese? That's, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough <laughs> one. I've been looking at this one for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I definitely f- uh, felt this frustration for... I think at least, like literally more than a year uh, after I graduated, um, like from London. So after coming back, the thing is like I've been in London most of my life, uh, and but unfortunately I didn't have uh, many opportunities to maintain my Chinese <laughs> skills. Uh, so yeah, when I came back, it really hit me hard um, mm-hmm. that. Despite the fact that they advertise their job as oh we're looking for someone who could write in English, um, and then like at the bottom I did see oh Chinese proficiency is also preferred but not a requirement right but then you you know you go apply and there's always going to be another candidate who has um, who's bilingual or trilingual mm-hmm. so. Technically, I could try to brush up my Chinese, mm-hmm. and I have definitely tried. Mm-hmm. Um, and so have my other friends who are in a similar position as me. But um, uh, we just unfortunately, Chinese is a very language to pick back up again. So mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure. What are your thoughts about that? You know, of, of all the friends, oh, so I. Almost a decade ago, I did a like here. So I did an MBA program, and in the MBA program, there's tons of different people, and a lot of them don't speak Cantonese. Mm-hmm. Um, and of those that decided to stay in Hong Kong, they all were able to find really amazing jobs. Mm-hmm. That, um, whilst they didn't have the the Cantonese language or Mandarin language. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely possible. I think one is being patient, but the other thing is really try to figure out um, with an open mind, come like what is your passion? What do you want to do? But beyond just a single job description, mm-hmm. maybe think about other things that are relatable. So you kind of open your range of the type of roles that you can potentially are you know want to go into. So that, I think that's number one, give yourself more options and more alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, like you've mentioned, really just as you are going through the process, learn as much as possible, practice as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And even doing your interview process, don't be afraid to share what you know. It may not be perfect, mm-hmm. but I, I think the interviewers or the employers generally... The progress. Yeah, the progress and yeah. the authenticity yeah. and that you're yeah. willing to learn and that you're not shy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's quite endearing to be honest mm-hmm. i think that's quite endearing you know to be in a market any market in the world where you don't speak the, the mm-hmm. local language is mm-hmm. going to have its challenges mm-hmm. and difficulties mm-hmm. um the only thing is just don't don't give up like mm-hmm. really just continue and yeah. trying to find yeah. like I, I felt like you don't 
you shouldn't feel discouraged because mm. of like a lack of Chinese skills because I know a lot of people who speak Cantonese too but then it's not the same when you when you're like in an office like you know the, the business Chinese mm. like so like for everybody they would have to learn a new set of language too when it comes to like business communication mm. so like don't feel discouraged as long as you feel that you're competent or you are like you can't communicate your ideas I think it's for everybody too is a learning process I think yeah I think definitely is the realization that it's it's gonna be more difficult but mm. it's possible like mm. th- those are very you need to have that belief in mind and then it has mm. an extension of that you know back to what we said in, in the you know maybe the first question like mm. when you network like say you're in Hong Kong and you're you know you're an expat um, if you network with obviously other expats who are more seniors well they they made it there right so mm. there must be a way and those are probably the people that are going to be able to help you along the mm. way because they will know the right people who who are hiring you know not necessarily Chinese speakers mm. um, so I think that that is definitely something that you probably need to even put more effort in compared mm. to like you know somewhere if you're just you know and these language is not a problem um, I think the best way personally because I had this problem when I came back to Hong Kong Exactly, a decade ago in 2010, because yeah. uh, I was interviewing for finance, like corporate mm-hmm. investment banking jobs, mm-hmm. and all of them needed uh, English, Mandarin, mm-hmm. and, and Cantonese pretty much. Yeah. Um, and my Mandarin just wasn't up to scratch then. So I, I did actually make the decision. So I, I eventually got a job because my um, uh, the boss who hired me was actually uh, it was a US bank, so he came from New York. So oh. eventually, that was like actually it wasn't through networking, it was literally just through an interview process. Mm-hmm. So it was lucky, but then I still uh, decided to, to quit that job after a year and go to Shanghai um, mm-hmm. to do an MBA mm-hmm. um, just because I knew I only needed a year to, to, to get, I felt like to get to mm-hmm. the level that I needed, even mm-hmm. for a business mm-hmm. kind of uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard again that, that, that was hard too but mm-hmm. I think I, I felt so much better afterwards because I've never had that um, uh, blind spot anymore yeah. so yeah. I yeah. just go in and I'm just like okay we just you know very brave let's just go <laughs> <laughs> so I would I think I would have felt yeah. more uncomfortable if I stayed where I was mm-hmm. but that's just that's my mm-hmm. kind of choice so actually I have a question for Carmen mm-hmm. but, um, I, I, I noticed a lot of people would want to in order to brush up their Chinese they would do like a Chinese language course or exchange mm. in China mm. do employers actually think that that's a plus or they're just like thinking that they're wasting their time I think it's a plus mm-hmm. I think it demonstrates that you're willing to um, really put a lot of effort into mm-hmm. honing a particular skill that you mm-hmm. think it's important. Mm-hmm. I think over the course of career journey, it used to be that if you have a gap in yeah. your employment, yeah. Yeah. that doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. But I think increasingly, employers and just people in general understand mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that in the overall work journey that you'll mm-hmm. have over the course of many years, there will be times when you need a gap for either personal reasons or for professional reasons or for upskilling reasons. Mm. And I think as long as you can demonstrate to your employers or your mm. potential interviewers why and how does that fit into the skills mm-hmm. that they need for the job mm. um, for you to be able to do, I think it's absolutely it's absolutely okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so question four. What qualities do millennials... Um, and Gen Z look for in an employer. We got this question from someone who's looking to recruit, mm. and I think, uh, especially this 
like this sort of thing changes uh, through generations. But I think now compared to just uh, before, I think more people are looking for employers who value passion um, and also have a strong sense of morality. So I like increasingly even back in university, um, I've heard a lot of people promoting or well looking for applying to startups because that's where you know they value the the process more than um, the money. I think also an employer who recognizes and values work-life balance that's a very a strong factor. Now more than ever. Work-life balance to me is is incredibly important. Um, flexibility is very important, and and I think because of COVID, companies have started to pivot towards a more flexible way of working. Um, they ultimately were forced to to really go digital in terms of allowing their employees to all work from home, having a technology that enable it, um, and so there is a much better sense of flexibility in that in that in that sense um, I look for a company with with a culture that allows me to be independent um, and and to be able to allow me to um, exercise some of my own creativity creativities and how I want to work mm -hmm. so I think that's increasingly more important to me um, and uh, I don't know what do you guys think I mean does that resonate? Uh, yeah, mm, definitely. Um, when I first started my career, probably like money was a big thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because that's like your entry point, yes. and that's like how you work your way up. But then, like as time goes by, I kind of realized like you need to figure out what values you really want to hold on to mm -hmm. for job satisfaction, right? Yeah, and then you want to see whether the company values these values as well. Mm. If like is a mismatch, then you will always be like, ah, oh, you know, like for example, like I think integrity is very important. And if I'm working for a company that has, doesn't really value that, mm. then I will always be, you know, struggling to be happy. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's also a learning process for yourself, right? Because yes. you're learning what is important for you. Mm, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. what you, when you're just starting out in your career, you may think one thing is most important, maybe mm -hmm. at that moment is money. Yeah. But as you kind of gain more experiences mm -hmm. and you start mm -hmm. to deal with more people and things yeah. start to surface, yeah. and then values become so important because mm -hmm. that will drive how happy you are and mm -hmm. how productive you can be in mm -hmm. your workplace. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. I Some think, good productivity too. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so it's, I think that, I, mm. that resonates with me a lot. Mm. It's a lot of trial and error along the way probably. Yeah. Mm. And then yeah. you realize like where's your happy spot. I, I would say that ultimately, uh, for myself anyway, that it does come back to the more personal values the, mm -hmm. rather than like how other people perceive it. So mm -hmm. you do get a change. So Because like when you're in a new job, even if you might not, you know, the, you know your values might not be aligned, it might not be the best job for you. There's just so many new things. Mm -hmm. So new, that freshness, that fresh, a fresh environment is always motivating. Like even mm -hmm. though maybe that environment might not be for you in the long run. Mm -hmm. So you kind of mm -hmm. go through the process, you get you, know, you get really mm -hmm. fired up. And mm -hmm. then for me, I always feel like after like a certain period of time, I'm like, okay, actually, that, that, you know, the fresh, you know, all that fresh stuff is gone. And, mm -hmm. and I just feel very, you know, there's the negative feeling about it. So I think it's a journey. So not only mm -hmm. is it to, yeah. to learn about yourself, but it's just the, the natural journey of mm -hmm. you getting bored of, 
you know, the bells and whistles, and then you see right to the core what you really want. So yeah, I think the same as what you were. So that's why you got into startups, huh? Because <laughs> you're constantly yeah. Yeah. fresh. Yeah. I was uh, very, I mean, I probably would consider myself as a more extreme case compared to my peers, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because I, I really value um, uh, independence, uh, mm-hmm. doing things the way I like to do it. I think that's what I discovered the most. A lot of people say, oh, you, you, you leave a corporate to join or to start something mm-hmm. because of uh, a vision or a passion. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's also the way you reach that goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, that's important, the mm-hmm. process. Like, mm-hmm. say I can join, otherwise I could have just joined a company which has, you know, was going for that same goal because mm-hmm. they will give me much more mm-hmm. support and structure. But mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. to start things from fresh. So mm-hmm. uh, in my way, building my own team. So mm-hmm. definitely. But you know, having said that, if I didn't go through as Carlos at that process mm-hmm. of you know those yeah. ten years, yeah. I might not be running the business like I am doing now. So mm-hmm. it's all part of like a learning uh, yeah. experience. Um, but back to the the question, I think um, employers, I think regardless of the generation, they have to provide the basic needs. Mm-hmm. So you're right, the money, mm-hmm. um, maybe some sort of a small degree of social status. Um, a, a secure environment mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and values. Mm-hmm. So I think those four things would be, um, if I had to just mm-hmm. come off the top of my head, would be yeah, the most. That's pretty foundational. Yeah. And then on top of that is all the extra stuff that makes you much more special and coveted in terms of as an employer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are the core. And, but some things change. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I would agree that I don't know if work life balance was that much of a topic back in when, well, at least in my circle, it wasn't really much of a work-life But then the thing is, yeah, I don't think we went into that life looking for work-life balance. No, yeah, it's definitely so, not. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. so, so. Now, now it's important, obviously, um, if, if you have families and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.